Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. So I recorded this podcast the other day, and I hadn't pressed record, and then I got mad, so I didn't re-record it. So we're going to do that again. I want to direct this particular podcast to the Al-Anoners. So Al-Anon is a family group. Uh, Their slogan is actually help and hope for families and friends of alcoholics. And this is a sister fellowship for people who have a loved one in their life that are struggling with addiction. It helps them understand their own journey, specifically addresses how not to enable, how not to be codependent, and works the same steps that we do in AA for very similar results. Um, Addiction is a family disease. It affects those around us. It will take down a family often. And that's why typically when one person gets well in a family, sometimes it can shake it up in a bad way and it takes some readjustment. It's like the mobile that hangs over a child's crib. If you pull on one of those pieces of the mobile, all the rest shake and it takes some time for it to equalize. That's what happens after we get well, those of us in recovery. And sometimes it changes a family dynamic for the worse because people often don't know how to cope with how we have changed. Sometimes people selfishly don't want us to change because it shines a light on their behavior or interrupts their pattern in life or their relationships with us. But sometimes it affects the family in a really positive way. My recovery, even though my family did not believe, and I think to a large extent still does not believe that I'm an alcoholic, once I got well, I behaved differently. And it was more in a sense of being more open, more loving, and behaving differently at family events because my drinking and my anxiety no longer drove the bus. And so in family gatherings, because I wasn't drinking, the man I was married to at the time would drink far less, which meant my dad wasn't pouring drinks for everyone like he used to. And then my brother, who was very close with my ex-husband, wouldn't be drinking the same and then the nights would end earlier and on and on and on so it had a positive effect on my family and none of them are interested in any of the fellowship some of them should be in recovery and some of them on the addiction side uh, and some of them should be in recovery on the Al-Anon side so if you have questions about whether or not Al-Anon is for you, you can check out the Al-Anon website. It's al-anon.org, alanon.org. And it's a really great site. There's even a questionnaire asking if it's if you're a good fit for Al-Anon. It asks questions like, how will Al-Anon help me? What if I'm not ready to go to a meeting? Is an appointment needed? Is it a religious fellowship? What is alcoholism? Who are alcoholics? And by the way, alcoholic and addict are interchangeable because an alcoholic is addicted to alcohol, hence an addict. Um, If my friend or loved one is a drug addict, can I go to Al-Anon meetings? Can I bring the alcoholic with me to the meeting? Uh, Some of my favorite meetings here in Toronto are the ones that are both Al-Anon and AA. And so they have a small period of time where someone in Al-Anon shares their experience, strength, and hope, 
which is what life was like with the addict, what happened to get them into Al-Anon, and what life is like now. And then someone from AA shares their story and perspective. And I've been to both meetings. Al-Anon, for me, I don't feel like I need Al-Anon. AA has given me what I need in order to cope with my addiction. And even though I was uh, a child of parents who abused alcohol, and my ex-husband liked to party pretty hard, and I suffered as a result, I just never felt that Al-Anon was something that I needed. I found everything I needed in the 12 steps, and I happen to love that fellowship quite a bit. But People, I know people in recovery, and when I say that, I'm talking about AA, but when you're in Al-Anon, you're also in recovery because it's the same 12-step model. I have friends of mine who are both in AA and in Al-Anon, and some of them, it's because they are adult children of alcoholics, or they are married also to an alcoholic. They're called double winners, by the way, people in AA and Al-Anon, and it's not being sarcastic. It's talking about how there is a double program for their double issues. And I have a woman that I am friends with who is an alcoholic who is in Al-Anon because she's like, I have to live with myself. So they have really great tools and tips and ways of living with the hurricane that is often the addict in someone's life. So when I used to volunteer as a, I don't know what they would, I don't remember what the role was called. I think it was called intake. I always called it buddies. I used to be like this buddy. When people would check into rehab, I would be their first point of contact. I would bring them and their families into the waiting room. And while the person checking into rehab was going through their various administrative appointments, I would sit with the family and answer questions and console them. And the number one question I got is like, how can I help them? How can I make them stop? How can I get them through this? And I would often give them the three C's. You didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. How can you help them? Just love them. And for some people, that's going to be tough love. And for some, it isn't. Like, are you um, enabling your 27-year-old son who lives in your basement and has a drug addiction? Are you enabling him because he lives at home and he doesn't have to work or pay rent? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. For some people, the answer is yes. For some people, the alternative, possibly living on the street and dying, is a no. That's up for every family to decide. But trying to, like, make an addict, quote-unquote, get it or stop, you can't. The alcoholic, the addict themselves, has to reach enough of a low point that the fear of staying the same is greater than the fear of change because it's a terrifying thing once you're addicted to something to want to stop it. And it's important that the people that aren't in, in addiction themselves or aren't in recovery that are seeking to understand how bizarre and insane it is, the behavior of an addict addict to get their substance of choice or to behave in a manner, whether it's sex or shopping or gaming or whatever it is, it's important to understand that at the point of the highest insanity, it is not a choice that the person makes. Their body may be executing the choice to get whatever drug or do whatever behavior it is 
to fulfill their addiction. But the addiction at that point is like a parasite that has taken over the host and it seeks to destroy itself, which is a completely unnatural instinct in humans. Our natural instinct is to create life, to live life, to pursue life. That is an innate ability that we're given when we're born. And so any desire to snuff out life, whether it's hanging yourself because of depression or anxiety, um, ingesting substances to make sure you don't feel, or simply ingesting substances because the part of the brain that is responsible for our base drives like fear and flight, eating, sex, etc., is the part of the brain that's communicating to the person that they need their substance of choice or their behavior of choice, although it's not really a choice, but that will get into like the whole neuroscience of addiction, which is fascinating, but I'm not going to go there right now. That part of the brain gives us an instinct that if we don't do what we need to do or we don't ingest what we need to ingest, we're going to die. And unless you're an addict yourself, you don't understand how powerful that is. It's called the phenomenon of craving. It is a real thing. It is not as simple as, well, they chose to drink or they keep going and buying drugs. It completely takes you over. And so without that understanding, you will look at this person and say it's, you could say it's their fault, or I don't know why they can't drink like a normal person, or they've been to the emergency room, they've had their kids taken away, they've been in jail, they've almost died four times. Like, that is not a natural desire. No one wants to grow up and be an addict when they're a kid. Nobody wants to suffer that much. It is a horrible, horrible, deep, dark suffering That is so beyond the human experience. It cannot be understood. So as a family member, what you can do is take care of yourself because you don't need to go down with the ship that is sinking. And yes, parents, that is virtually impossible, virtually impossible as a parent to to be able to be functioning when your child is not. I understand that. But you also need to take care of yourself because if you go down, I always say if the queen goes down, the queendom goes down. We have to take care of ourselves because it's only when we're okay that we can be in this world and help others. We don't exist on an island or in a vacuum. Every single person has value and purpose to people and the world around them. So please take care of yourself. This is a horrible journey for the addict and the people around the addict. And I don't know why addiction exists. I don't know why suffering exists. That's something we'll have to ask God when we get to heaven because we'll never have an answer. And if we seek to find an answer for why someone is an addict or why they turn, quote unquote, turned out to be an addict, um, we'll never know those answers. With my 10 years of experience in recovery, I can tell you that it's probably split right down the middle 50-50 in terms of people that show up in recovery because they're predisposed to addiction because it runs in their family, but also the only person in the family who actually is an addict. And I know everybody can be addicted in seeking something outside of themselves to make them feel better. But when I talk about an addict, I'm talking about someone who has this 
predilection towards engaging in behaviors that ultimately could kill them. And no matter what the consequence, they decide to keep on going. That's addiction to me. Doing something over and over again, despite all of the negative consequences that impact the person themselves and the people around them. So... I hope that's been helpful, Um, whether you're someone in Al-Anon or AA or any of the A's, M-A-C-A-N-A. There's an A for everything. I hope that was helpful to you. If you have any questions, you want to reach out, you can email me at the number two, soberchicks at gmail.com. You can also find both Lisa and I there, as well as on Twitter, on Instagram, at two soberchicks. I hope this podcast finds you well, and if it doesn't, This too shall pass. It is a new day tomorrow. Keep hanging on. There is hope.